Masechet Yom Adaf 75. Uh, today is uh, some long agada all about the man. Uh, why are we talking about the man? Well, we were talking about the inuim, the different forms of suffering that uh, of Yom Kippur. And uh, we, by looking at the word inui, uh, we noticed that it also says regarding the man, that there was some kind of affliction that was associated with man. Even though the man was a great miracle and a great blessing, also, there was a negative aspect to it. So what was so suffering about getting you know, food every day from heaven? Uh, so we saw two opinions. One is that uh, you never know. Is it going to fall tomorrow? You want to have some savings. You want to have something in the fridge that you know you have something to eat tomorrow. And so therefore, psychologically, there was some unrest. And the other opinion said it didn't look like anything, even though it tasted like whatever you want. And even the texture might be. But uh, the presentation is also, is also part of it. And uh, therefore, uh, that was one aspect of the suffering of it. Okay, um, so with that in mind, uh, we we mentioned other things that you should always uh, eat, um, see what you're eating, and it's not tasty if you're not seeing. Um, now that we mentioned that, kind of not seeing, we mentioned, we're going to talk about the next uh, next pasuk from Mishle, which is about, in a way, being morally blind. So, ki ten bakos ki This is, so if you put your eye on a cup, meaning a cup of wine. Uh, the Fulpasuk says, don't look at wine when it's red, when it gives color in the cup, you know that there's wine in it, not just water. And then it says, it goes mesharim. They translate here, glides down smoothly. Uh, this is the danger of uh, drinking too much. So there's two interpretations. It'll be amev, it'll be ase. We don't know which one said which, doesn't matter. Our first opinion is that someone who drinks puts his eye in his cup, literally, all incest becomes, in his mind, like a mishar, like, like straight ground, like it's all, it's all a permitted. In other words, it removes his inhibitions, and it doesn't distinguish between permitted and not permitted, and so therefore, that's one of the dangers of drinking. And the other, the other opinion says even more, the whole world looks like it's level ground. In other words, he takes whatever he wants. He doesn't distinguish between his property, other people's property, uh, so those are two opinions, and that's the word mesharim, not just that the wine glides down smoothly, but rather it's like smooth field. You could just go and take whatever you want. Okay, since we're talking about uh, the uh, pasuk, another pasuk in Mishle, that also has, is interpreted by the ame and the ase in two different ways. And this one says, Someone has a worry in their heart, they should yashchena. Translated here, they quash it, quash it. Okay, so what does this mean? So they change around in the kudot. One opinion says, force it from your mind. In other words, push it down, you know, suppress it. Don't think about it anymore. Get it out of your mind. And the other opinion says, talk it out. Talk about it with others. You see the uh, second opinion as uh, what psychologists agree with. Of course, psychologists have to... Uh, make uh, they have to earn their pay, so they want you to talk it out and come back for another ses session. And uh, sometimes that works. Otherwise, other other times, just repress it way way down and don't think about it again. Sometimes that works too. Okay, Venachash Afar Lachmo, another pasuk that has um, op op opposite interpretations by the same two sages. This is a pasuk in Yeshaya that's talking about a snake that a snake eats dust, uh, reminding us of Bereshit also. So what does it mean that a snake eats dust? Maybe I'm able to be a 
a steak does not have a fine palate, even if you give it the best gourmet food from the fanciest chef, it's going to taste like uh, dirt to it. Everything tastes the same. Um, maybe there's a reference to the way steaks actually, steaks actually don't eat dirt. Uh, they, but the way they eat like a mouse live, uh, and imagining they're not uh, savoring every bite. It's all one bite. Or the other interpretation is even worse. Even if you feed it all kinds of delicacies and gourmet food, it doesn't like it. It like it just wants dust. And it gets dust. Oh, yeah, that's what I like. That's delicious. Okay, it's interesting because this pasuk actually, if you look at the context, is the opposite. It's a blessing. This pasuk says the wolf and the lamb will graze together and the lion uh, will eat straw like an ox. In other words, they're not going to kill other animals. And the serpent, well, food shall be the earth. In other words, it's not going to eat other living animals. It's not going to bite and kill uh, other things. So it's actually a blessing for the world in general. But I guess for the serpent, it's not as good because uh, it has to eat us. All right. Now, Tanya, Now, this is a very interesting midrash. It's going to find actually a silver lining, which may be related to what we just said, that in a way, it's eating dust. There's something good about it. So look at the difference between human beings and the Kadosh Baruch Hu. A human being, if I want to harass someone, I'm upset at them, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go take away their livelihood, take away their life, I'm going to try to, you know, take away everything that they have. But not so HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Even when he curses the Nachash, and that deserves punishment, still within the punishment is something positive. If a snake goes up to the roof, there's dirt there. He can have what to eat. It goes down uh, on the floor, there's dirt to eat. Wherever he goes, there's something to eat, right? Um, it's like saying, uh, you know, it's bad to be homeless, but at least you don't have to commute, right? You don't have a home to go to go back to. So, uh, uh, okay, maybe not, maybe not a great example. Um, but there's a, a similarity, right? There's something, uh, in, in other words, God gives mercy, a little bit of mercy, even though he's punishing it, at least they can get its food wherever it wants. God cursed Canaan and said, you're going to be Eved Avadim, going to be a slave. But even a slave, at least uh, he, he eats the same food and drinks the same drink that his master eats and drinks. So there's some uh, silver lining even to that kilala. Kilala ta'isha, I call rasina hareha. Kilala ta'adama, I call nizonin hemena. God cursed uh, the woman and said, v'huim uh, shobach, right? You're going to desire your husband and he's going to rule over you. And yet, okay, maybe that's true, but the husbands also desire their wives and uh, everybody's running after women. So you see she's desired also, so there's a silver lining. Um, the land is cursed, and it's going to be only with difficulty they have to work the land hard. But nevertheless, it's good. The land has a good aspect. Everyone's dependent on on uh, on the land for their food. Okay, so that's a nice uh, lesson about even get, uh, God's mercy, even when He's punishing. Now back to the man. This is going to be now starting the long agada about it. Zachanu et This is the people uh, complain. This is the numbers eleven. This is the Salav story. That people say, we remember the fish that we ate in Mitzrayim for free. Uh, so what, is that, what does this mean here, for free? The rest of the pasuk goes on and says, the kishu'im, abatichim, asir, besadim, shukim, all the other things, the cucumbers, melons, leeks, and onions. Okay, so now this, uh, this fish first. 
Rabu Shmuel, Hadamar Dagim, Vahad, Vahadamar Arayot. This fish, according to one opinion, it means literally they had fish in Egypt and now they're in the desert. There's no water, there's nowhere to, there's nowhere to fish, so they miss it. Other people, uh, another, uh, the other opinion, we don't say, we don't know which one said which, says fish is a euphemism for uh, forbidden uh, relations that they had in Egypt and now that they, now they can no longer have. In other words, when they were, before Matan Torah, they, uh, they were promiscuous in certain ways. After Matan Torah, now they weren't allowed to do these various adayot. This is, oh, they, they feel bad. Remember how we used to do that in Egypt. Okay, so mandamad dagim dichtiv nochal. Um, a support for the one who says fish, it says eat. So it sounds like something that they eat, that's fish. The one who says ayrat brings a proof from the fact that it says for free. What do you mean for free? Fish, I guess they'd have to pay for, right? But rather, uh, 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 sexual relations, those that's free. And so that would make more sense according to that opinion. So now let's now analyze the Pesukim further. According to the one who says talking about relations, doesn't it say eat? You're right, but it's a euphemism. Eating also could be a euphemism for sexual relations. Talks about a woman who eats and cleans her uh, mouth, and she says, I didn't do any sin. And in the context there, it's clear, it's talking about uh, prohibited sexual relations. Uh, so you see, eating can be used in that as a euphemism for that. Okay, fine. According to the one who says it's talking about actual fish, why does it say free? The answer is that that they in fact got it for free. And this is a miracle when Israel would go to draw water, a little fish, God would have little fish go into their buckets. And so they could eat those little fish. And then, uh, and then have the water too. So yes, in fact, the fish was free. So there is some, such a thing as free lunch. Uh, okay, now further question. If the one who says fish, we understand the following. Says my garden enclosed is my sister, the bride, locked fountain. This is, uh, this is a reference to the chastity of the women of Israel, right? that they do not sin in these prohibited relationships. Um, so then it makes sense. If they had fish back in Egypt and not, relate, not prohibited relations, then this pasuk makes sense. Or the one according to the one who says back in Egypt, they were doing all kinds of arayot. What is this pasuk and Mishnah talking about that they were... Uh, that they were protected, uh, sealed spring. Uh, so the answer, Oh no, they never did anything that was prohibited um, as, uh, as, a, as a Gentile. So Sheva Mitzvah Ben Enoch, one of the Sheva Mitzvah Ben Enoch is in fact Arayot, but the definition of Arayot for non-Jews is different than for Jews. So for example, no one is allowed to sleep with close relations like their mother, but an ant for non-Jews is permitted, for Jews is not permitted. So referring to something like that, they remember back in Egypt when they were permitted to marry their aunt, and now they now after Matan Torah they cannot do that anymore. So, um, but even in even in Egypt they weren't doing terrible things. Um, good. Okay, so we understand the one who says that it was uh, it was problems of sexual relations. That's why it says. Moshe heard them crying 
with their families or for their families. Beforehand, they were allowed to their certain relationships, and now it's not allowed, so broke up their families, and so that makes sense. If they couldn't have fish anymore, why does it mean that they're crying with their families? What does fish have to do with families? And the answer is, it was actually both, both this and that. They used to have also those adayot, and they also, in fact, used to have fish. So um, uh, we, that way we can explain all the, b- both opinions. And that's, in fact, their complaint included uh, both items. Good. Now the rest of the pasuk goes on and mentions uh, the cucumbers, kishuim, abatichim, and the melons that they used to have. The bia mevda bia same two sages as we had before that give different interpretations. Their question is, how come they only? Uh, how come they specified these five different things: cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic? Of all the different foods in the world, like why these items? And his answer is that the man could taste like anything, anything you wanted, except for these five things. It couldn't taste like these five things. It's like, you know, the Star Trek replicator, you can make any food, it comes out. But these things, it didn't make. The second opinion says, miracles actually been greater. The man could even taste like all of these things, but other foods, it could taste like it, and even the texture was like that food. You wanted it to be steak, the texture was like steak. But these five things, it tasted like melon, but the texture was not like melon, and that's why they missed these things. Okay, why these five things? And she says that they are not healthy for a nursing mother or something like that, so the man was protecting people from these uh, negative foods. Uh, Okay, sounds like it sounds like, uh, you know, you still get calories of whatever food is going to taste like. Um, so I wanted to save them from that. Well, we'll talk about calories in a second. Okay. Aman is, uh, so they said, they called it man. Um, so it was like zedagad, uh, coriander seed. And it was lavan, it was white. And it tasted like sapichit. Bidvash, wafers, and honey. Okay, um, kind of like a bachelim, uh, favorite, favorite fruit in Israel. Uh, I lived on that for, for, for a year when I was studying there. agol kegida. So what does it mean it's like coriander seed? That it's round like coriander seeds. But it's white like pearls. So even though it was round, it was not the shape. These, uh, here's coriander seeds right here. Um, so you can't be... They can't be really like them because they're brown, they're not white. So rather the shape is like this, round, but they are in fact white. Um, and furthermore, it says gad because they are like, uh, like flax seeds. This is uh, flax seeds are also the same shape, round. Uh, so again, not in their color, but in their shape. God is a reference to, it's similar to Agada, uh, to stories like we're reading now, uh, light, uh, light subjects that draw a person like water. Everybody loves learning Agada, and so too the man was delicious and everybody wanted to eat it. Others say God as le- lehagid that it's a it's a telltale sign. 
um, how could the how could the man be used be used as a telltale sign? So if someone was let's say a woman was married to one man and she gets divorced and then two months later she gets married to a second man, now really the halacha is she's supposed to wait three months because in case she was pregnant beforehand, we'll be able to distinguish who the father is. But what if she didn't do that? And now a baby's born after seven months uh, from her second wedding. And so we're not sure, is it a seven month old baby from the second marriage or is it is a full term nine month baby from the first marriage? And we're not sure they didn't have DNA testing then, but they did have man testing. How does man testing work? Well, the man, no matter how much you take, uh, you, you gather, when you bring it home, there's only gonna be one Omer per household member. You have five kids, so you have five uh, things, plus the parents will have seven. So, um, the, so each of those fathers will go out, collect the, collect the whole bunch, and bring it home. Whoever has one extra, you'll know that's the babe, that's the father of the baby. And so that's how you could use the man to tell who the father is. Okay, very interesting. They didn't. They assumed it can't be an eight-month-old baby because um, medical knowledge, based on Aristotle, said that an eight-month-old baby cannot survive, but a seventh-month-old can. Now, this really doesn't make sense. They did not have technology. Even today, it's not easy to do that. Um, so, uh, in fact, it seemed like it happened sometimes that uh, uh, people uh, jumped the gun a little, and then when she realized she's pregnant, then they went and ma got married. And so sometimes they had uh, a seven-month-old baby. So they said, oh, yeah, seven-month-old baby. Apparently, it happened often enough that it became a medical uh, term, um, but uh, seven, seven months would make sense. Eight months. Yeah, actually, the woman doesn't know that she's pregnant yet, so it wouldn't even, it wouldn't, uh, after two months, so it wouldn't happen. Uh, so anyway, that was the medical knowledge. And so the man could help help uh, determine who the father is. Next, Laban, what does it mean? Why in Israel sins? Why? Because they saw this miracle happened every day. They said, if I sin, who knows? Maybe the miracle will stop tomorrow. So it kept people in line. It's just like the prophets would tell uh, the people of Israel what's in the holes in the cracks. Doesn't mean where well, you know I lost my keys. Although sometimes they would help if you lost the sheep. Um, but here the reference is to uh, the small, the small sins that are hidden in our in our, in our minds that the Nevi'im would come and give rebuke. This phrase, by the way, is also regarding looking for chametz, right? Look for chametz and all the cracks and the holes, which uh, I think shows that the act of searching for chametz is also is supposed to be uh, a meta, also symbolic of searching our own uh, minds and souls for chametz, like things like holiness. Um, okay, but we talked about that in Pesachim. Um, anyway, just like the prophets rebuke people to examine their ways, so to the man does the same thing. Also, So two people come, and there's something that happened in hidden. In other words, we don't know there's a thief. We don't know if a person actually stole or not. So one of them says, this person is my slave, and you stole him. The other person says, no, you sold him to me. And so we don't know what actually happened. So what Moshe do? Moshe mishpat. Wait till tomorrow and we'll see. Um, how how will we see? The macharim nimsa omero bebet rabbo rishon v'yadu ashezeg nabo. Im nimsa omero bebet bebet rabbo sheni v'yadu ashezeg mecharo lo. Right when uh, when uh, the household 
um, the, the man of the, the, the household owner goes out and collects man, it's not only for him and his children, also for the people uh, that he, uh, his slaves, his servants. So um, depending on how many servants he owns, that he'll bring the man home and that will be, there will be that many omarim. So if it belongs to the, uh, the, the original owner and he comes home and he has an extra omid, so obviously that servant belongs to him. But if it's the second guy, the one who claims that he bought it and he gets the omid, then obviously it's him. So that's a, another way that you can tell hidden matters from, from this. Uh, interestingly, the Rishonim asked a question that a judge is not allowed to rely on miracles, right? A judge has to follow evidence. You need you know, witnesses, who saw it, what's going on. You can't just go by miracles. Okay, so even, even, even when you have miracles, it doesn't necessarily actually help, so they give different answers. Anyway, And so to a man and wife who come and have an argument and, uh, uh, you know, someone did something wrong in the marriage, and they're arguing who did something wrong. See, if the woman does something wrong, then she loses her right to the kituba. If the man does something wrong, then he has to still pay the kituba. And that's what they're arguing about. The man says, she did something wrong, so I'm gonna divorce her and I don't have to pay her kituba. No, he's the one that did something wrong. So, this phrase is based on the pasu. Come in the morning and we'll see who's right. If he goes out and he collects Omarim and he brings home for him, him and his wife, that means he is deserving. So that more, therefore, he is right and she is the one that must have done something wrong. On the other hand, if her father gets the extra, in other words, you know, he is, then that means she. He, the husband, is no longer worthy of having her, and that's why it transferred over. And so, therefore, we would know that uh, he's the one that did something wrong, and he no longer deserves to, to, to have her. Um, okay, so that's how another way you could tell the man was very useful. Now, so we have two pesukim that say opposite things. Uh, one in Bemidbar that says the dew fell, and then the man fell on top of it. And so um, uh, that's uh, no, sorry, uh, this is that's different than coming up. Okay, the, the first pasuk says machane. That sounds like the man fell in the camp. In other words, right, you know, right, right outside, right in the all over the camp, right where they were living. Um, the second pasuk says the people had to go out, they had to leave the encampment and go out uh, outside to, to find it. And the third pasuk says, that they spread out. That sounds like they had to go searching for it. It wasn't even right outside. So which one is it? Where did the man fall? So it depends on who you're talking about. Or Sadiqim, it was like a prime delivery. It went right, right to their doorstep, right? Leave on the porch, open the door, it was right there. For Benoni, medium people, they had to go out, they had to go to the Amazon locker, right, on the, on the way from work, and they picked it up. But Shaim, they had to go all the way to the mall, actually go to a store and, uh, and buy it. Uh, they, had to, you know, they had to leave the encampment and go, for, go search for it. And so that reconciles all three Pesukim. Next. How did it come down? 
one pasuk says lechem, it sounds like it came down all baked, ready to go, right? Re ready to eat. Um, and the second pasuk says, if you look, um, that sounds like they had to cook it, right? It came down as, as raw, raw dough, and they had to cook it. And the third pasuk says, tahanu, actually had to mill it. That's even more work. It came as just raw material that they had to prepare. So which one is it? For the sadikim, it was like Uber Eats. It came, right? Just open it, ready to eat. But for medium people, it was like, you know, the frozen uh, frozen sambusa. You have to bake it. You don't have to make it. You still have to bake it. The sha'im, for the evil people, they just get raw ingredients and they had to go and do everything themselves. Good. And then the next part of the pasuk says, put it in a mortar. Now, I understand if it's something like grain, so then that you use a mill, but a mortar that's used for spices. It doesn't say both of them, uh, um, why would you use a mortar and pestle? So, when the man fell, not only did it fall with food, but also uh, which means um, uh, things that are uh, 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 perfume or makeup, uh, that things that were made out of different spices that you would have to crush and uh, for, for, for women. So this was cosmetics. Um, also fell, and then they prepared them and used the cosmetics. Amazing. Um, and another opinion says that cooking spices fell from them, right? If they're going to cook it. How are they going to cook it? They want it to taste good. So they got, you know, salt, pepper, allspice, kamun, everything fell down. And that's why it says mortar and pestle. Um, obviously, it's referring to the other things um, that we would use for mortar and pestle. Okay, maybe not obviously, but. That's what they learned. Okay, great. Okay, question. This pasuk is not about the man. This is about the, all the things when the Moshe was building the, the Mishkan, everybody came and brought the raw materials and they kept bringing more and more. And it says they brought it morning, morning. What do you mean? Did they only bring it in the morning? Like what if I uh, maybe made a donation in the afternoon? They brought things that doesn't mean necessarily brought it in the morning. They brought things that fell in the morning. Now, what did they bring? All kinds of things, including precious stones for the potion. So that teaches that all these precious stones also fell with, along with the man. Everything that they needed came. Then this tiim heviu et abner hashoham. Okay. Also regarding the Mishkan, it says that the nesiim, literally, that means the, uh, the, the 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 presidents, right? The heads of the shevatim, they brought these special uh, um, stones. Ana nesiim mamash v'chen omed nesiim v'roch begeshem ayin. And the midrash interprets nesiim not as the rulers, but rather clouds. And we see the Kameen clouds in Pasuk Mishle, like clouds and wind without rain, so too is someone that boasts of a false gift, so on. So Nisi'im Mamash. This is very interesting because usually the word Mamash in the Midrash means the literal interpretation and not the figurative one. And here they're using Mamash to say not rulers, but rather clouds. That these things, um, these uh, uh, precious stones also fell down from the clouds. 
Okay, it's amazing because you see that the man, uh, although we started off with the man being annoyed, and there is some small aspect of the man that is not desirable. In other words, it's great to live on miracles, but actually, you know, there's something negative about it. You want to live in a natural way and, uh, you know, uh, and have a process that you trust. Um, but nevertheless, there's also all these great miracles, and rabbis are adding more and more detail to it. Now, the taste was uh, like uh, like uh, cake with oil, oily cakes. So we're saying leshad, uh, which means a cake, but it could also has the word leshad, shad meaning uh, a woman referring to a woman breastfeeding. So just like a baby tastes all kinds of different tastes, so to the man, uh, man tastes a different taste. This is in fact scientifically true, depending on what the mother eats, uh, breast milk can have different tastes. Uh, there's another study that shows when there's germs in the air and the mother creates antibodies, her own hormone body makes antibodies, those antibodies go into the breast milk so that the infant who doesn't yet have a full, uh, full immune system actually benefits uh, depending on where, where, what germs are happen to be around in that room where the mother is. So, um, uh, so this is true. No, don't read it like Shadaim, uh, uh, but rather Shed meaning a demon. Oh, again, the word mamash, <laughs> the word, um, right, it's, a, it's really not the literal interpretation. It's like a demon. How was the man like a demon? Demons can take on different forms. There's other stories in the Talmud Bavli when a demon uh, takes on the form of a poor person or of a woman and entices different people. So demons can change form. So to the man can have different flavors. From this midrash, it sounds like it can have different flavors, not necessarily, not necessarily an infinite amount of flavors, like whatever you want. That was a midrash before, like whatever you think of. Um, okay, so it could be anyway different, uh, uh, different flavors, different interpretations here. Uh, so in Shemot, where it describes the man, um, uh, so Moshe says, "I'm going to give you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bre bread that will uh, be, uh, be be filling." So that see the pasuk describes meat and bread. So Rabbi Yosho ben says meat, which they asked for improperly, right? They said meat. Remember the meat that we had that was given to them in an improper way. That's talking about the slav. They came down. It was like uh, overwhelming and disgusting, an unpleasant way of being fed. Or whereas uh, bread that they asked for properly. It's okay to ask for bread. They're in the middle of the desert, they're hungry. Okay, so they got, uh, they got the man, which was given to them properly. So a person will always be answered in uh, the way he's deserving in the way that he asks. Um, another thing that we learned from this pasuk is that you should, um, you should not eat meat except at night. How do you know that? Because Moshe said, listen, you're going to have meat at night and bread during the day. Now, because they asked him properly, the meat was given to them in an improper way. But uh, leaving that aside, he's giving them a general uh, uh, menu. You should eat meat at night and bread in the morning. Hold on, is that true? Hold on, is that true? 
le'ela bimama. We mentioned that at the end of the of yesterday's daf, when a person eats, he should only eat during the day because you want to see what you're eating. So why is he saying it's good to eat it at night? The answer is ke'anye mama kamdinan. We don't mean literally uh, during the day, day, but rather like day. So you can eat like you know twilight. You could still see. Uh, or it could be at night, but you have candles. You should be able to, his point was, you should be able to see what you're eating. Uh, the point here is that for dinner, it's good to eat meat. Um, okay, and not for breakfast. Another thing that they learned from Moshe, in the beginning, they used to be, Israel was like chickens, picking up, picking up the garbage. In other words, there's food they would eat all the time, be snacking all the time, they didn't have set meals. Moshe said, listen, you have the meal. You have a daytime meal, you eat bread. A nighttime meal, you eat meat. And then that way they went and worked and did whatever they had to do. And they sat down for regular meals. And that's also good advice. Okay, further, in the Pasuk about the quail, says that the meat was still between their teeth. On the other hand, another Pasuk says that it was uh, up to a month. Now, the first Pasuk says the, the, the meat was still between their teeth, and they got punishment, and they died. That sounds like they died right away. But the other Pasuk says they're going to get it for a month. That means they didn't die right away. So which one is it? For those who were uh, uh, in between, uh, morally, they died right away. The evil people got to live longer, but it was another month of suffering and pain and terrible things. Tadikim, this did not apply to at all. The Tadikim were able to eat um, in peace, as we'll see. Um, so literally, it was spread out around the camp. This is cute by switching around the letters. Uh, we read instead of spread out, it means slaughter. This teaches that the enemies of Israel, a euphemism for Israel themselves, they were um, they were liable to of chechita of slaughter. Shatuach, shatuach, the other word that means spread out. Again. Switch around the letters, and it means slaughtered. And this teaches that besides the man, something else came down, meaning birds that require shechita. So good, we learned that the birds came down, and that birds require shechita. Hold on, the bee says, "Are you learning that birds need shechita from here? We already have it from a different pasuk." Uh, the actual pasuk doesn't say hayam, like in printed editions, but rather yamim of kanaf. So God had uh, rained meat on them, she'er. She'er means, uh, is another word for flesh, um, on them like dust. It was so much, it was like dust, pasuk and tilim. And birds, wing birds, like the sands of the sea. So you see from here that we know that the birds came down. And we further know that birds require shechita. How do we know that? And the tanya, the omed. This is the same to be, right? Is it just here? The Sivita. says, you should slaughter animals like I told you. And Devarim says it, like I told you. Now, what do you mean, like I told, like I told you? Where else does it say another another pasuk about slaughtering the meat? 
and like that, well, whatever. Don't get into this. Anyway, this means, like I told you, means Hashem already taught, taught Moshe that you have to uh, do shechita regarding animals with most of the esophagus and the windpipe. Really, you have to cut all of them, but you cut most of the, those two pipes. Um, that's for animals. For a bird, you have to just um, cut one of them, most of one of either of the pipes. And most of the two for animals. So you see from this pasuk and the and the derasha, the oral law that's associated with it, we know that you have to do shechita on birds. So what are you telling me that we're learning this from here, the pasuk in Salah? Rather, actually goes back to the peshat of it. Uh, which is that they were layers and layers, right? That they they felt it was very high. Uh, uh, many many layers of them fell. Good. Ketiv lechem uchtiv shemen uchtiv devash. Question. And regarding the man, it refers to it as bread, but also tasted like oil. Also tasted like honey. So which one is it? For old people, it tasted like bread. Like, you know, old people like, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, 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 things that are not sweet. Uh, no, so that's for regular people. Lechem was bread. For old people, shemen, they like oil, apparently. And for children, it tasted like honey, right? Kids, kids like sugar cereals. Um, and the, the adults like shredded wheat. Uh, good. So uh, this is yet another version of the different flavors, right? Not anything you wanted, anything you thought of, but rather depending, it was age-appropriate food. Ketiv on the kids' menu, right? Ketiv selav, ketiv selav, karinan selav. It's written with a sheen, and sheen without the kudot is just a sheen. But we read it with a uh, with a s sound, selav. So the sheen refers to when righteous people would eat it, they ate it and they had a nice meal, it was fantastic. You see from before, right? The Sadiqim, they enjoyed the Silab and it was a good meal and fine. For the Sha'im, it was like thorns, that's why it was painful and terrible for them. Actually, four different types of quail, the species of quail have these different kinds. These are all, by the way, Greek words. Sikhli means a sparrow, kibli, a thrush, and fisione, like pheasant, like, uh, like the uh, English word as well. Um, so actually, four different kinds. And... Um, the best of them is sikhli. Selav is the worst. So in other words, for this punishment, Hashem said, sent the worst, uh, low, lowest quality type of bird. It's like, it's very small, like a, like a small bird. And when you put it in the oven, it's so, it's so fatty that it fills the whole oven. It's like disgusting. And if you put it on, on bread, um, the bread will become all uh, soggy with full of fat. Even if you put it on 13 loaves of bread, the bottom one will still be uh, too, to have too much fat on it that you have to eat it with other food. So really nobody would eat the slav willingly. It was a disgusting type of bird. 
Now, even though we just said just terrible things about it, it was also considered a good thing, I guess, for Sadiqim. And so even in later generations, miraculously, these rabbis would get quail. And uh, Rabbi Uda found them among the barrels of wine. There was always quail there. And so he could enjoy it. Rabbi Uda found them with the wood, in the wood room. His sharecropper every day would find some quail in the field. This is very cool that this miracle continued right to 2,000 years later. And he brought it every day. One day the sharecropper said, There's no more quail. Oh, what's going on? I went up to the roof and he heard some child say the following pasuk from Habakkuk. Um, um, this is called bibliomancy. And you tell a child, say a pasuk, what are you learning? And whatever it is, it's often relevant uh, to, the, to what's going on. So the pasuk says, I heard something and my innards trembled. So it means there's some bad news and that's why he has no more, no more quail for his stomach. So it must be that Rav Chista, that's Rav's teacher, Rav Chista's third generation, Rav's fourth generation, must be my teacher, Rav Chista died, and I was only getting the quail on the merit of my teacher. And now, why? you know why there's no more quail? Because my teacher, Rav Chista, died. Amazing. Okay, so now two more conflicting pistukim regarding the man. On the one hand, it says when the dew lifted and on the wilderness there was uh, uh, this, the, the man on the ground. And according to that, it sounds like the, the towel was covering the man. But the other pasuk says when the dew fell, uh, the man fell on top of it. And so that sounds like the man fell on top of the dew. So which one is it? Is the dew on top or under the man? It's actually both. It was dew on the bottom and dew on top. The dew on the bottom protected from the dirt and the ground. The dew on top protected from anything falling on it. And so it was like it came in a box, right? This is packaged. And this is uh, one of the reasons why we, put, uh, we cover the halot on, uh, on, uh, on Friday night. Uh, because the double, the double chalot is like the man, and so we cover it uh, above, below and above, like the dew to protect. Dak mechuspas, it was fine and flaky. Amar leshakish, avashe nimoach al pisat hayad. We're deriving it from pas. Pas means uh, palm, and mach means uh, 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 dissolves. So it was so soft that you just uh, hold it, and it melts in your hand and in your mouth. Uh, that it, uh, the, the, the gematria of mechuspas is 248. And when you eat it, it goes into all limbs of your body and there's no leftover. You don't have to, you don't have to go to the bathroom. Right? It's just like, it's a perfect food. Mechuspas to, no, zero calories. Mechuspas to bahave. Hold on, mechuspas is, is too much. It adds up to 256. No, it's written without a vav. So it is, in fact, 248. You see that they, they had different spellings. They weren't, they weren't always baki and malay and chaser. So they, they went, they had to go check the, the uh, correct manuscript. They found there's no vav. Referring to the man, it calls it a breakfast of champions, right? The bread of mighty people. What does this mean? Rekiba says it's referring to angels. The angels eat this bread. This is very strange because everybody knows angels don't eat anything. 
So perhaps Rabbi Akiva is interpreting it spiritually. There's some kind of spiritual nourishment that even the angels receive. They told that to the Bishmael, and they said, go tell Bishmael back that he's wrong. What do they eat? Moshe says, when he went up to heaven, he was like an angel, and he didn't eat or drink. So angels don't eat and drink. Rather, it's abirim. Uh, abirim is a play on words. Evarim, right? Evarim meaning limbs. That this is food for the limbs. It goes into every limb with no leftover, no waste. This is a good question um, regarding the laws of encampment. It says you should always bring a shovel with with you when you go out uh, in the camp. So that when you have to relieve yourself, you'll use the shovel and cover it up because the encampment is holy. That from that we learn that they did go to the bathroom. So if they're eating man, that means they didn't go to the bathroom. Why would they need a shovel? Answer is You're right, they didn't need to go to the bathroom from the man, but sometimes they would see, you know, carts selling hot dogs, pretzels, they would uh, buy things from other other people, the uh, other Gentiles that they met in the desert. And when they ate that, that did cause them to go to the bathroom. So they needed the shovels for the other non-man items that they ate. This is no, not only that, when you eat man, it even takes the other food that you, that you buy, the regular food, and it makes it zero calorie, and you don't have to go to the bathroom. So what did they need the shovels for? This is, it was only after they sinned. Before they sinned, they wouldn't have to go to the bathroom even if they ate other food. After they sinned, Hashem says, you don't want to be like angels? Fine, you won't be like angels. But now you're going to have to walk 3,000 to go to the bathroom. Right? Because they can't go in the, in the encampment. How big is the encampment from end to end? Three parsings. Uh, there's no bathrooms in the front. The bathrooms are like an airplane. They're all in the back. So if you're in the front, you got to go walk all the way to the back. How do we know how big the encampment was? Uh, so the encampment was from the, by the Jordan from this, this place to Abed Shittim. I went there and I saw a place and I measured three thousand three. Um, three parsings. And when they go, they can't go in front or on the side. They might be traveling. That one's going to go. The bathrooms are always in the back. So that's, you see that they had to, they had to walk outside. Um, by the way, in the Dead Sea Scrolls, it says they, they can't, they, they would not relieve themselves even a thousand amot. They would walk about, uh, um, a thousand amot outside uh, of the uh, of the encampment in order to relieve themselves. Um, no, two thousand amot, right? Uh, yet on Shabbat they're not allowed to walk in their in their calculation one thousand amot. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, it's not clear how they ever went to the bathroom on Shabbat because they say you can't walk a thousand. You, the most you could walk is a thousand amot from Shabbat, and you have to go two thousand amot outside to relieve themselves. So maybe they ate my eight man. All right, I don't know. Anyway, atan nafshenu yibesha. If they were complaining and they said. Our 
So they said, our soul, they're complaining, people are complaining, our soul is dry, there is nothing at all. They're complaining about the man. So the question was, and call referring to? The people noticed that they weren't going to the bathroom and they were bothered by it. They said, can it be that a person, a human being, ingests food and doesn't have any waste? You know what's going to happen? We keep eating and eating. We're going to explode from this. So they were complaining. They didn't like that it was zero calorie food. Okay, anyway, that was their complaint. Now, this whole thing was went to the Ishmael, and he said a lot of the same answers. Abirim means evadim, uh, that, it's, uh, that it uh, is absorbed by all the limbs of the body, 248. Then why do they need shovels if they have to go to the bathroom? Things that they bought from other lands that, that would cause them to go to the bathroom. Or the bread of mighty ones, the mighty ones referring to Yoshua. He's called an Ish. Um, and uh, and therefore, uh, just like the man fell for all of Israel, uh, he got he also got the uh, an equivalent uh, amount of man. Uh, from this from this, it sounds also like the man is not just physical but also spiritual nourishment that you know, that he was Yeshua was able to benefit from. Hold on, the Moshe, Oh, Moshe is also called Ish. So why don't you say Asterasha about Moshe that he got the equivalent of man as all of Israel? No, this says the word Ish and Ish, and we're not. We're gonna. That's it says it in both. Achal Ish regarding the man and uh, Ish regarding Yeshua Ish Hashem, and we're not going to use the Moshe because for him it says Veha Ish, and so that is a uh, that's a different word, and so there, therefore that's not comparable. All right, some amazing, beautiful agadot about man, but we're not done yet. We'll see a few more tomorrow.